Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, if Michigan State hoops fans felt pretty good about the team's performance for most of a November brutal stretch, December has likely all but erased those positive vibes. The Spartans ended the month with a performance against Notre Dame in which they looked completely gassed before losing to Big Ten bottom feeder Northwestern at home on Sunday. Is it time to panic? We will discuss that as well as the latest news around Michigan State football on episode 95 of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. Uh, Kyle, how's it going? Uh, South Bend, nice this time of year? Um, South Bend, probably not my favorite stop, um, but it's close. Uh, I'll give it that. It's close. I was able to, to get back quickly and get my Christmas tree cut down. So it's got that going for it. Ah, the real tree. Real yes. tree instead of fake. I was always real tree growing up, but then I married my wife and now she insists on a fake one. So it's, it's a that's, debate that's as old as American. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh matt what's up i know you're 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 staying busy but uh do you have your player movement google doc or flow chart made up yet uh in my head i was gonna really put that together today but uh i more importantly also have uh, a christmas tree that uh we cut down ourselves um so real tree over here as well although i can't the cheat. only fake i, I yeah. kind of cheat i take a sawzall out there with me i don't want to sit out there for 20 minutes using one of those little hand saws. So, so I'm the only fraud on the podcast. <laughs> what we've established here. That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening today. If you could please uh, like rate and review the podcast, if you can, you can check out our work at mlive.com slash Spartans. A lot of, a lot of news lately up there. I've been trying to stay on top of all the national college football news and Matt and Kyle are obviously all on top of the Michigan state angle. Uh, you know where to find us on Twitter. If you've got comments, questions, or concerns, but appreciate everyone for listening here today. Unfortunately, uh, I'm not sure that the, the vibes are going to be super cheery and jolly and festive, uh, which would be apropos for the time of year, Kyle, but Michigan state after what I would say was, you know, a, a pretty solid start to the year against pretty tough competition has lost two straight. They go to South Bend and lose the final ACC big 10 challenge game. They will play in 70 to 52 in a game that really wasn't close on uh, Notre Dame basically blew them out there of the gym there. You know, I think some people chalk that up to just kind of a bad game. Then they come home and take on Northwestern at home in the big 10 opener, a game you would think they would win and end up losing 70 to 63. So suddenly Kyle, Michigan State has plummeted to 46 in the Ken Palm rankings. They're five and four with a, a tough game against Penn State coming up. Uh, I mean, what do you make of these two uh, performances here? Um, one of them, I, I the, the Notre Dame, I, 
I know they didn't play well. I know they look gassed, but man, the way Notre Dame shot it, I don't think they would have beaten that team, even if they had played well that night. Um, you know, when they're hitting three, the way that they are, maybe they had some good looks, but you, you ha- you're going to have a, a stinker every now and then you're going to run into a saw every now and then a couple times a year. And, and that was one of those. So I, um, I mean, losing by 18 uh, to a team that, that you're capable of beating is, is never great, but it, it's one of those you just kind of shrug, shrug at once or twice a year. The Northwestern loss was was obviously, I think, a little bit more troubling um, at home uh, against a team you should beat. Um, and, you know, played pretty, I thought, for the first half, played pretty poor defense. Um, had some turnover issues and then got back into it. I thought A.J. Hogard got them back into it. And then um, pretty poor last couple of minutes, a lot of. Um, a lot of empty possessions, um, turnover, um, and then um, get letting a pretty good look open there to um, Spartan Killer Boo Booey for the for the winner. So a game that they, a game that they absolutely could have won. Uh, you make three, four more plays down the stretch there, and and weird stuff like Tyson Walker's in foul trouble the whole game. Like he he he's never in foul trouble, and he just commits strange fouls and and gets in foul trouble, and um, yeah. So it's not. It's concerning. It's a game they should have won, but I mean, they're in this position. I mean, Mich- I, I think if they would have stayed healthy, they would have gotten through this stretch okay. But I think we knew in the summer that you go into this schedule with 10 scholarship players and you just don't have any margin for error. And if you lose one or two, you're going to be in a really bad spot. And that that's what happened to them. Um, I mean, if People can call it excuses, call it whatever you want to, but they're they're missing two guys. I know Jay Nakins returned on Sunday, but he was not nearly himself. Um, You're just going to struggle at the tail end of a compacted schedule like that with two of you guys gone. You're going to just struggle to play up to your potential, and you're going to struggle to beat um, even mid to lower level Big Ten teams like Northwestern. So um, they've got to find a way to to rally. Um, Their situation is going to get better here um, in the next couple weeks, but they got one more tough one in Penn State that they got to figure out a way to get through it with a situation that they're in. And then I think you can start to look at things getting better. But to me right now, it's kind of just about holding on um, and getting through what's um, which is the really difficult situation that they're in. Yeah. The Notre Dame, you know, loss while it was, it was bad. It wasn't fun to watch. It wasn't what they wanted. Obviously. I think it was pretty easy to sort of justify that one away. And Kyle, I know you weren't watching the broadcast, but Jordan Cornette, who was calling the game for ESPN, was a former he's a former Notre Dame player, mm-hmm. obviously. So I think he was actually like really being conscious of trying to be fair on the broadcast. So no one would accuse him of being a homer. But he was bringing up Michigan State's you know issues constantly. Oh, they just came back from Portland. Oh, they're missing two of their best playmakers. He was announcing it nonstop. You know, Michigan State's going to be OK. Like he was almost talking Michigan State fans off the ledge. And I get what he what he was saying. What he's saying is accurate. So I just I just think that Notre Dame game, you know, coming back from Portland, the guys look tired. Uh, they, they really didn't seem to have energy from the jump. I mean, Notre Dame, you run into a hot Notre Dame team that just played the worst game that they had all year against uh, St. Bonaventure in the previous game. Uh, Cormac Ryan, did you tell me he was shooting 21 percent from three coming into that game? Is that what? You yeah, he was like he was like five for 23. Yeah. And he just absolutely goes off again, though. Some of it in that Notre Dame game was defense, like going under screens, not getting around guys. And this, and it continued against Northwestern. I mean, defensively is where I'm the most concerned. I know Malik Hall will help with this. He will. He's sort of the captain on the defensive end. But where are they at right now? They're 60-something in, in, in 
uh, defensive efficiency, 67. They haven't been that low since the mid 2000s. So, uh, you know, defensively is where I'm mostly concerned right now. Yeah, and that that's fair. Um, I made the comparison on Sunday night um, that Malik Hall is the Xavier Henderson of Michigan State's defense um, because I think the same thing has basically happened to the basketball team when Hall went out is what happened to the football team when when Henderson came out went out and um, some people pushed back on that, which is fine. But to- notably, Tommy Joe made the same comparison um, yesterday on Monday in his press conference because. Um, it's a lot of stuff we we don't see, um, but he's out there communicating and he's out there making sure guys are in the right spot. He compared him. If you remember Xavier Tillman a couple of years ago, he grew into that same role where he's he's doing his job, but he's kind of there on the back end positioning everybody, making sure everybody's doing their job. So um, you can look at him as an individual defender, and I think he's strong as an individual defender, but I think he's a guy that brings a whole lot more to the total picture than we even can see as fans. And I think that's... That, that's apparent in the numbers. I mean, they lost something with Jaden Akins in his, in his athleticism too, but I think they lost something huge with uh, Malik Hall. And they really also lost their ability to go small um, without having him in the lineup. Um, and I think that hurt them at times against Northwestern. And unfortunately, I think it's going to hurt them against Penn State because Penn State uh, plays small, doesn't really have a post presence. And it's a game where I think they would have used a lot of Malik Hall at the four. Um, and that would have been a good matchup for them, but, but now they, they lost that. So yeah, the defense is, um, it, it's concerning. I mean, against, I honestly thought it was almost more of a coaching thing against Notre Dame. You mentioned going under those screens. They were wor- more worried about Lashevsky, their big man slipping. And that's why they were doing that. Um, and they chose to kind of give up those threes. They're playing the percentages. I mean, you mentioned Cormac Ryan, um, you know, hadn't hit well. Well, he was a 40% three-point shooter last year. So I think I think the evidence was there that he was going to have a breakout game. And, I, you know, maybe he would have had – he probably would have had it anyway. But I don't. I think going under those screens uh, maybe helped him a little bit. Um, and then, you know, at Northwestern, I thought it was, that was more ball screen defense. Um, you know, they're – Mm-hmm. They're bigs, unfortunately, um, just quite aren't aren't there yet um, in defending though. Northwestern's got some some really good guards, um, and you know Boo Booey especially, but Chase Audige too, um, and and being able to exploit that and shoot that last play. I mean, they they run a ball screen and um, um, Madi Sissoko gets switched onto him, and and you just you're dead in the water when that happens. So um, that that's going to be. I mean, that's that's not an injury issue. That's just a work in progress with some inexperienced bigs that we talked about. And you know, Madi's been good in a lot of areas and better than expected in a lot of areas. But that's that's one place where there's still a work in progress. And Jackson Cooler, as we kind of expected, um, is is finding his way in that area. Mm-hmm. Boo Booey's out of eligibility, right? Please tell me he's out of eligibility. Like, <laughs> it feels like, guy. yeah, it feels like he's been there forever. I mean, he's a good player. He got asked, he actually came to the podium on Sunday, got asked. He's like, I don't really know. He's just like, I just like playing against them. I think he, 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 you know, some, some of these guys are kind of sickos and they like the Breslin fans getting on them. And um, like, like they were, every time it was silent, there was, there was a couple of fans behind me just kind of chanting at him. Like, like, boo, you suck. And I'm going to turn on these guys and be like, guys, I don't care. But like, he's going to play better if you do that. Um, because he I seems know. like that type of kid, and he, and he was. So you always get the guys who just feed off that negative energy, yeah. and they they mm-hmm. sort of put it to their own heads and take it as a challenge. And it looked like Boo Booey and AJ Hogard, especially at the end there, when they were both sort of taking strong takes to the rack, they were definitely challenging each other and chirping each other back and forth. It was good to see for a while, but obviously Michigan State comes up on the wrong end. I guess if you take a positive from that Northwestern game, it is AJ Hogard. I mean, you mentioned it near triple double. 
Uh, he's the only reason they had a chance in that game because you mentioned Tyson Walker's foul trouble. Um, I don't know if we mentioned on the pod about the, the death that he he lost a close. Did we find out who it was? It was a friend or a family member, but someone really important to him. And that's yeah, I don't think it really mattered exactly who. But the fact that, you know, he yeah. was dealing with the death of someone close to him. Um, you know, I Sunday, I mean, that was a couple of days after. But I mean, it sounds like against Notre Dame, um, he literally found out pretty soon beforehand. Uh, Tom, yeah. Tom mentioned that he was in tears before. So um, one of those nights where just everything was, was working against Michigan State, it seemed like. Right. And that, that affects the whole team too, because they right. obviously care for Tyson and they, you know, want to, want to mourn with them and be there for him. And that's going to take some of your focus away from the game. And, you know, obviously that's, you know, the Notre Dame game, that's, that's just another reason why Notre Dame, I want to just crumple it into a ball and toss it out because it was just one of those nights for the Irish. They needed that win. You got a, a marquee team on your home floor. That's going to win the Northwestern. I do want to talk about a little bit more because I just, it's concerning because when you look at the Big Ten this year, even teams like like Maryland, who we thought was going to be down, they're ranked now all of a sudden. I do think they've had a little bit of a soft schedule, but they appear to be better than they are. Dante Scott has turned into a full-on superstar. Uh, it's just there's not going to be any easy games in this conference, really. I mean, North, even Nebraska just took down Creighton. So, you know, if you're Michigan State, I think you're at home against Northwestern and you're like, this is a game we got to have and now you don't have it. So now you're behind the eight ball and – what was Tom's overall mood, I guess, going into this right now? Because the, the second guessers are starting to pop up again, Kyle. I mean, we heard it all off season. You're going to go into the season with 10 scholies. You're not going to get any transfers. What if there's injuries? You know, you're going to rely on two freshman big men. What if they're, what if the, what if they can't handle it on defense? You know, the, 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 the birds are starting to chirp again and sort of being like, well, this call could have been avoided. And I don't know if that's true, but you know, how's Izzo's mindset right now? Probably better than you thought you would think. Um, and I think that's for two reasons. Um, number one, I think if you gave the man some tooth, some tooth serum, I think that he would admit that five and four at this point in the season is probably about what he expected because I, I think they got even a little bit ahead of schedule as far as their win loss record by one beating Kentucky and two, um, maybe two and one in Portland, which are about what we expected, maybe a little bit better. I think two and one or one and two in Portland was a toss up. So to me, you get one to two games kind of ahead of schedule. Um, that allows you to drop a game like Northwestern. You don't want to do it's losing a, at home to Northwestern, but I still think they're about where they probably would have laid out them to be if they're being really honest. And two, I mean, they know that this is this is injury related. This isn't a totally healthy, fully gone group that is um, gone downhill. I mean, there is a very clear reason that their play has dropped off dramatically in the last two weeks, and it's going to end. You know, it's Malik Hall is not out for the year. Um, he's not. He doesn't. You know, it's a foot injury, so um, always always keep that in mind. I mean, Joshua Langford's always in the back of I think every Michigan State fan's mind when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, but um, if if things keep going the way that they're going um, after you do Penn state, Penn state will be their ninth game in 27 days. Um, after that, they have three games in 23 days. Um, all are at home, all are against sub uh, top 150 teams. So, you know, probably three of the five easiest games on their schedule should be able to win those without too much trouble. Um, even shorthanded. You get a lot of practice time, which is one thing he's been talking about a lot. We need practice time. We need, 
we need to teach Pierre Brooks how to play defense. We need to teach our bigs how to defend ball screens, stuff like that. So you, you get the rest, you get the practice time, you get Malik Hall healthier. And then I think you can start January in a much better place. And I, I think he also feels good because this team has shown when it's fully healthy and has all of its guys that it's pretty darn good. I mean, they look really good against Gonzaga. They look really good against Kentucky. Bill over for most of the game until the last couple of minutes, they look really good. Um, so I think they've shown that when they have all their guys, they can be really good. And I think that there's a clear path um, after this Penn State game, which is something I think you just got to find it within you and rally. We can talk more about Penn State. It, it's looking like a tougher game than it did a couple of weeks ago. But you get through this, and I think that the schedule lightens up and you have a path towards getting back to where you were at the beginning of the year. So I think that's why... Izzo isn't as um, upset about this as I've certainly seen him about uh, about situations like this in the past and why um, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button for Michigan State fans because I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel in this situation. It's too early to hit the panic button. I mean, it's December 6th. There's a lot of people are, though. People are. No, I know, Kyle, but people are always going to do that just because of, you know, the last, you know, two plus seasons have not been. I don't know. What would you call it? Not vintage Michigan. No, State that, and that's totally fair. So I get, I get that. You're kind of conditioned to it. I get, I get that. Right. Um, but just, just remember what this team was for the first couple of weeks. And remember that this isn't like a fully loaded team. That's gotten exposed against tougher competition. Like they showed they can play with anybody when they're at their best. And there's reason to believe they could get back there. Like, like Tyson Walker to me is playing at a really high level right now. Like I'm really impressed um maybe shake your last couple games with good reason the foul trouble but before that i mean dude's just a killer out there i mean just showing no emotion taking those late shots joey hauser most maligned player on michigan state's uh roster i think he's just been a warrior out there to me um you know you look at him in portland fighting through an ankle injury playing well um i know he's still not um a a huge you know plus defender but I, i think he's He's taken a big step and he's one of their better players. So there's positive. I'm not just trying to be Mr. Rosie here. They're still, um, they still got issues defensively. Um, they still turn the ball over too much. Um, they definitely still got stuff to work on and they should have beaten Northwestern at home. But uh, the sky is not falling, I, I guess is what I'm saying. No, and some of their issues are youth related. You know, Jackson Kohler looks like he's playing volleyball out there a lot of the time yeah. instead of just going up strong and grabbing the ball. Like he, when he's going up for rebounds, He's getting to the ball. He's just not going up strong enough to grab it. He's just popping mm-hmm. it up in the air. And I think that that just comes with building strength and getting experience in the Big Ten because I assume wherever he was playing before, he could do that and get away with it. And then Pierre Brooks is just playing too many minutes right now. I mean, you need him out there because of his scoring threat and his shooting, but he's completely lost on defense, man. He, he's, he, is. he doesn't <laughs> really get the system yet. Like he's, no, he's, he's leaving guys open. <laughs> it, it's a total flip flop. And you can, you can actually, I think I saw Tom actually pulling his hair out at some points, um, literally on Sunday, because he's got the, the guys in that position he's got right now is Pierre Brooks, who is, who's all offense. I mean, he can go off and hit a couple threes in a row and be awesome offensively. But as you mentioned, pretty lost on defense right now. He'll get frustrated with him and he'll summon Jason Whitens, who, I mean, kid was a scholarship player starter at Western Michigan. He can defend and rebound and does a lot of those little things well, but no offense to Jason Whitens, you're basically playing four on five on offense. Yeah, Um, when they kick it to him on the corner, that he's not. That was right right in front of us. Um, And I joked to Graham Couch, who who kind of has an affinity for these walk-on stories. Um, I joked to him, I said, you should have shouted for Jason to shoot it. He was right in front of you there. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, they've got one guy who's like all offense and one guy who's all defense. Um, Danny Millie call who can, who can do both. Um, mm. but, um, that's where they're at. <laughs> it's just kind of a weird situation. In terms of Penn State, it's a game, you know, they're going to need to win. You know, they're going to go out there to the Bryce Jordan Center. Not exactly a uh, terrifying environment, uh, but Michigan State has had struggles there before, and they do seem to get up for big teams like Michigan State. They've got a veteran team. Jalen Pickett uh, is probably their best all-around player, but Seth Lundy's a versatile guy. Both of those guys would be candidates to be guarded by Malik Hall, so that's going to probably be an issue, and that's probably what you were pointing to before. Cam mm-hmm. Winter's been a, a transfer, again, a veteran guard who's who's been really well for them, both scoring and distributing. I guess what I'm trying to say is, oh, yeah, Miles Dredd is still there for the 14th straight year, too. But Coming off uh, the bench I, now. Yeah. yeah, I know. And it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, don't get lulled to sleep by, oh, Penn State basketball. This is a better Penn State team than we've seen uh, I would say, you know, in recent years, I mean, I think they're, what are they, 36 in Ken Palm. So uh, this isn't, you, you know, your grandpa's Penn State, for lack of a better term. <laughs> no, I mean, they got, they've got, they're 6-2 and two and they could easily be undefeated. Uh, they lost to Clemson in double overtime and they lost to Virginia Tech by two. Um, and they have three other top uh, top 100 wins. I mean, it, it's not a schedule like Michigan State's, obviously, but they're not playing a bunch of passes. Um, and they're veteran and they shoot the ball really well. Um, they're, I think they're above 40% as a team from three point range, number one in the big 10. So you, you leave them open like you did against Notre Dame. And these guys have shown that they're going to hurt you. So, um, I mean, I, I haven't seen a line yet. Uh, Ken Palm has them at like, uh, Penn state four. So that's, (laughs) if they've ever been, you know, um, plus four on Ken Palm going to, going to Penn state, I can't remember it. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, sometimes these teams get a little, um exposed i mean i remember what was minnesota undefeated last year i think going into big 10 play and we were talking about them um so i'm not i'm not ready to call them a big 10 contender yet but they've been stronger but but the the reason i guess to think that they have staying power is that they're veteran you know they've got they start four seniors um three of whom are fifth year seniors and then they bring fifth year senior miles dread off the bench so they've got a lot of guys who have played a lot of games so um maybe they have staying power and maybe that helps them be even keeled when a team like michigan state comes to town they also haven't played since uh november 29th and that was a double <laughs> ot loss to clemson so they're gonna be i mean they played a long game there but they're they're uh they're gonna be resting waiting for michigan state to come to their house so I don't know, man. This is a, this is kind of like a gut check game for Michigan State. I think you know they they really need to win this one since you didn't get the one at Northwestern. You get through this, and then you've got three bye games at home with more practice time with Malik Hall potentially coming back after. I think this would do. Uh, this is kind of a big swing game in the season, even though it is early. Um, so it will be interesting to watch, and and it's going to be a tough one for Michigan State. But you know we've seen they're capable of playing good games even without Malik Hall. So hopefully Jay Nakins is a little more comfortable. Uh, if you keep getting the play from AJ Hogard. Uh, you know, Tyson Walker stays out of follow trouble. And if you can just get some quality minutes from, you know, Kohler, Holloman, and uh, Pierre Brooks, you know, if you can just get some production from those guys. I mean, so, Pierre Brooks, to his credit, scored 15 against Oregon and 15 against yeah, Portland. Just don't be a liability um, out there. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I, that's fair. You know, so like, just, just be where you're supposed to be. Okay. Slow down a little bit and just, Maybe don't focus so much on, you know, jacking up threes and focus a little more on learning the defense, you know, like they need that from him. So, yeah, especially right now. So uh, anything else on hoops or should we uh, should we move on? 
No, I think that's it. Brown after that, um, I guess you should say um, that they're, you know, sub 150 should be a fairly straightforward home game on Saturday for them. Doug Wojcik coaching against his son is the uh, is the storyline going into that one. So uh, there's always a reason why they get these random. Yep. Uh, by North, Northern Arizona was the Uper versus Uper <laughs> matchup, and this one is the Doug Wojcik versus his son matchup. So there you go. Nice. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to football where Michigan State is preparing for. Oh, never mind. Their 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 season is over. Uh, five and seven did not get the pity invite to a bowl game, uh, Matt. But there is constant player movement in this day and age in college football. Players coming in, no players come or players going out, no players coming in yet. But I'm sure that will happen eventually. We see all the guys entering the portal, portal drama, portal combat, as John Rothstein likes to call it. Uh, but I guess just just run us down on the latest player movement from the football team. Matt. Um, yeah, so uh, Jacob Slade, I think somewhat as expected, um, declared for the draft. Um, you know, he had the extra COVID year, but, you know, the guy's a three-year starter, um, dealt with some injury, that sidelined him for four games this season. But um, so that's a notable loss, obviously. Um, he's the latest uh, guy with eligibility remaining to declare for the draft. And then, obviously, there's the portal movements. Uh, Terry Lockett, Jr., the receiver, had already announced back in – you know, early November after he had already left the team, um, he had announced he would be entering the portal. Um, I think we talked about mentioned this on the last pod. Uh, Jack Stone, true freshman kicker, um, was entered the portal. Then uh, I think it was Saturday night, defenseman Michael Fletcher um, entered. And then after that, the portal officially opened yesterday on Monday. Uh, if those of you who don't remember, amid all the crazy NCAA changes, or the new uh, transfer portal windows. So uh, it opened uh, Monday for uh, it's four, it's open for 45 days and then it's open again in, in May. And, you know, this is just part of them trying to give coaches the ability to get their roster together, to bring some, to kind of rein in some of the craziness um, that is roster management. And um, I think you saw, what was there like 700 and some guys went in the portal yesterday. It was something just absolutely insane, but was pretty much expected with the way things were lined up. Um, grad transfers can still enter the portal whenever they want, but this is for for everybody else. So uh, Monday morning, yesterday morning, uh, defensive lineman Deshaun Mallory and Jalen Hunt entered the portal. And then last night, true freshman defensive end Chase Carter um, stated he his intention to do so. So, um, yeah, they're getting a little thin on the defensive line. Um, I think everybody remembers what that looked like this fall. Um, so I, I don't think they're, I don't know if they'd say any one of those is a major surprise. I mean, Carter Stone, those guys are both true freshmen. They both played in one, uh, you know, Stone played in all 12 games and Carter played in just one, but you know, notable, notable losses anytime we lose a scholarship guy. So, uh, just those are two more spots for. Um, I'll be able to fill either through recruiting um, or the uh, the portal himself. Should we be concerned about the defensive line? I mean, I know, they do have some guys there still, right? No, I mean, if you Cameron Barrow, yeah, if you else. at tackle, I think they look fine. You mentioned Barrow, um, Harmon, Hanson, Alex Van Sumeren. He played in just four games this year. He played in the first four games this year, and then they sat him out the rest of the way to keep his red shirt. And it end. Ends a little interesting, you know, Jeff Piotrowski, you know, he missed the last, well, he got hurt at Washington, didn't play again. Uh, it, you know, assuming he comes back, Chris Bogle, who got hurt the following week and, and didn't return, if he comes back, um, those are two guys, uh, Zion Young, who was 
became a starter before being suspended for the final four games. Does Brandon Wright come back? Uh, does Jacoby Winman come back? And if he does so, is that a linebacker or a defensive end or both? Uh, we saw a lot of Avery Dunn late in the year, and he showed some good things. Um, who else am I forgetting? Uh, well, there's James Schott, who was a true freshman who started making – he made the travel roster for, I believe, the last two road games. He didn't play, but we saw he was there. Um, and then Ken Talley, who was the – um, late, late, late transfer edition from uh, Penn State. Um, oh, geez, he was there for he was there in the summer, and then he left, and he showed up at Michigan State. I, that was I, I can't remember. It was it was sometime early in the season when that was confirmed, but uh, the timing slips me uh, it slips my mind. But he was not eligible to play this season. Well, that's I mean that's it's been a position of strength for a long time. I mean Michigan State's DNA has been on the defensive line for. Forever. I mean, as long as I can remember, really. Um, going back to the D'Antonio year. So, you know, you some attrition there, but still some guys there, I think. I mean, it other than the news, I mean, the portal is gonna be a thing again here. I think I don't know if Mel wants to have to rebuild his team through the transfer portal every year. I mean, if you look at times this year, I mean injuries played a factor in this, but like the whole team would be portal guys <laughs> on defense at times. Yeah, I don't think that's a sustainable model. Like, you can't just do that every year. You have to, like he said, the goal is to build the program through recruiting and then supplement it through the portal. I know I've said it a hundred times before, you're not going to get another, it's very, very unlikely you're ever going to get another Kenneth Walker out of the portal. You could find some nice pieces here or there, you know, Um, and I think every program will be basically looking to do that, but you you need to build the recruiting and and this is this is important because you know this is Mel, really Mel's second re- actual recruiting class at, at Michigan State. You know he inherited D'Antonio's final class, his first class on his own. Is I mean that's a you could put a bigger asterisk on that. I mean it was all done virtually. Um, so this this group right here, these uh, the 2022 group um, that you know was a pretty solid class. Uh, you know, that's uh, that was his first class, and now he has a chance to build on it. They only got 12 guys committed um, so far and nine or four stars. So we got uh, less than, we got, what, three weeks, a little more than three weeks or whatever it is, two weeks. I can't do math. You help two weeks in a day before the uh, first day of the signing, early signing period, um, before, you know, they start to put these guys officially in the fold. So we'll see Mel's out in the road recruiting and, and staff members are doing the same right now, but no, no news is broke while we've been recording this podcast. Correct. <laughs> uh, no, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Cause it's constant, man. It's, it's oh, yeah, crazy. I mean, you know, how, how many guys are entering the portal, you know, good you, players too. And you have these people reply to you on Twitter, like what is going on? It's like, welcome to 2022 guys have you not been paying attention michigan state is not the only program losing players to the transfer portal this is you know it's just i don't funny people are adjusting to the brave new world mad we're still it's it's still new for us you know i you know i remember like when when i first was doing this beat like a guy would trans would announce he was going to transfer and you're like oh my god i got to get him on the phone and you're talking to him nowadays it's like not to say that wouldn't happen, but it's just there's just so many guys that that transfer. It's just become you know commonplace. Mm-hmm. 
And Michael Penix will be back next year to see Michigan State at Spartan Stadium. So that's Ouch. good news for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I social was, security yet or what? Did, I was on, legitim- legitimately surprised by that. I thought the whole season, like the 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's what it is, but you know, I thought you know, if he can stay healthy and have a good year, go. And you know, you've had four you know four season-ending surgeries, and yeah, I mean, he's a he's a he's a good player. Obviously, I think I think some Lions fans were eyeing him as a sort of a later round quarterback option there. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's off the board and we might see more uh, quarterbacks who could potentially be, you know, later round draft picks decide to stay if the NIL money's there. So it's just a crazy different time. We're in college football and college basketball for that matter. So I think that's going to do it for today's episode of uh, Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Uh, again, appreciate everyone for listening. You can find all our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. And you know where to find us on the internet. Michigan State back in action, as we said, tomorrow night. Uh, I believe it's a 6.30 tip. Uh, it'll be on the Big Ten Network out there in State College. And then Brown at 4.30 p.m., also on Big Ten Network on Saturday. We'll see if Michigan State can get back to its winning ways uh, ahead of a softer December here. Uh, but a lot of basketball left, that's for sure, and definitely need to really call back in there. So that's going to do it. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wendell. I'm Braden Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go green!